0: Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, Matthew 5 8, this is Jesus speaking. And it's actually part of the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically the uh, the Beatitudes part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God." Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. When I was a young man, a young pastor, I just it was a little Puerto Rican church that we planted in a little town called Leesville, Louisiana. And um, uh, it was next to a military base, so there was quite a few uh, Puerto Ricans that, that were in the military. In fact, my, my little church was just all military for the most part. And uh, I remember back in those days, I used, to, uh, I, I, we, I used to wear a suit and tie every Sunday morning to preach. So like, not like this with a tie and a suit, you know, nothing wrong with that, but just that's what I used to do. I feel a little bit more freedom right now to not have to do that anymore. But I remember this particular Saturday, I woke up Saturday morning, and I thought, man, I don't know if I've got a clean suit. I, I own two, two suits and I would interchange them, you know, each uh, Sunday's. And, I, and And of course, you know when you own two suits, and you have like a dozen ties, so you have to make the suit look different week after week, you know, with different ties. But anyways, so I had these two suits, and I knew that one of those suits was balled up in a corner because it was meant to be taken to the dry cleaners. and then the other one was hanging in my closet. So I go to, to pick the one out of the closet, and I realize that the week before I was holding my son in my arms and he spit up on my suit. And then I didn't think, you know, kind of wiped it off, didn't think anything of it, Put it, hung it back in the closet, and that was going to be next week's suit. And I didn't, wasn't factoring the whole thing in there. And I realized that I had a dirty suit. And then when I went to go get it, it's not only dirty, it smells funny, right? So, so I, I remember next to the church, close to the church, there was a little dry cleaner that said, had a sign, you know, a lit sign outside of their building. It said, one hour dry cleaning. And so I took my suit, and I went to the dry cleaners. And I dropped it off on the counter, and I told the lady, I'll be back in a couple of hours. And she said, oh, no, no, this this won't be ready until Tuesday afternoon. And I'm like, wait, your, your sign says one hour dry cleaning, not three days later dry cleaning, right? Something's wrong here. And then she proceeded to tell me, hey, no, yeah, that machine broke a long time ago. We don't offer that service anymore. And I'm thinking... Take the sign down. Well, you're false advertising. You're telling people you could do this, but you really cannot do this. And so if Jesus was in Leesville, Louisiana back in 1987, 88, when this all happened, he would say this, blessed are you who stop hanging up signs on the outside that don't reflect who you are on the inside. And so today we're going to talk about our fifth value called authenticity. This is how it goes. <clears throat> Telling the truth or living truthfully is another way how we would say that. Telling the truth allows us and the people we're in relationships with to experience freedom and growth. So we live a life that is transparent and truthful. It allows us, we have this freedom to, to actually build relationships around truth. Okay, it goes on. We reveal who we are, what we love, and what we struggle with. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We love... We love to talk about the good. Eh, we're not too excited about sharing the bad and the ugly, right? Like, I don't go on Facebook and say, let me tell you how bad I was this week. I usually don't do that, right? And we allow God to, sh- to shape and change us from there. So this is our fifth value. We call it authenticity. And it's something that's, I, I wish I had time to give you the backstory into this, but 20 years ago when we were, you know, making the decision to launch this church and the values that were going to inform us, um, this became a very real thing for me. At that time, I was doing a lot of the demographics research and studies, and I've discovered that the back door of the church was three times larger than the front door of the church, uh, metaphorically speaking, figuratively speaking. That more people were exiting the church than were actually coming into the church. And I was asking questions, why? And so I did a lot of research and discovered that one of, the primary questions, one of the primary reasons that people were leaving church was because of a lot of church hurt. But this church hurt surrounded this lack of authenticity. They were looking back and pointing at their church and say, yeah, I thought they were the real deal, but it turns out that they're, they've disappointed me. I thought they were truly living for God, but they really weren't. And so we develop this. Now, Jesus, in this Matthew pa- passage we just read, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, again, specifically the Beatitudes, and Jesus is teaching in the Beatitudes ways in which we can find true happiness. In other words, blessed can actually be translated, several translations uh, translate the, the Beatitudes as happy are they. Those who, th- those who are who do these certain things, they find happiness. Jesus is teaching this way. And he says, one of the ways is when you have a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are not pretending to be more than what they really are. And if you live that way, then you find true happiness. Listen, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to be a full-time actor. It's exhausting to pretend to be something that you're really not. But when there's an authentic and pure heart, not a perfect heart, but a sincere, authentic heart, there's blessing to be found there. So Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, the word pure, the here, Greek word is the word kateroi, which basically the idea is sincerity, authentic, authenticity, it's undivided. Like a pure heart is one that is pristine, it's, it's, it's clean, it's, it's undivided, it's sincere. In ancient Roman days, they used to, one of the major businesses was the, the business of sculpting, making sculptures. There was a lot of gods to be made, and so they would make little icons that would, you know, you put on your shelf or on your mantle. They made these big, gigantic uh, sculptures that would be in your, in, you know, like in the courtyard. And this was—it was just different gods that they would that they would sculpt. And like today, back then, that you had really good sculptors and you had not so good sculptors. You had some, some sculptors that really wanted to make a quick buck, and so they would just quickly make a sculpture, and, and they would sell it to you that way, with all its flaws and stuff. And so what they would do, the not-so-good sculptures, so, so the, the good sculptors, what they would do is when they would make their sculpture, they would add these words, this word sine sera, it's Latin, for means, which means no wax. Because the reason they would put this on their sculpture is because the not-so-good sculptors, what they would do is they make their sculpture, and then they would find all the imperfections, all the cracks, and they would get wax and they would fill all the cracks to hide it, make it look pretty, make it look, you know, desirable on the outside. The better sculptors would make their, their sculptures and then they would, they would they'd put this mark, Siniceta, on it, and then they would put it out in the courtyard in, in the sun because sun has a way of melting the wax and revealing the, the flaws. It's interesting because that little double entendre here was sun. The sun has a way of melting the wax in our lives too. Right? And in many ways, this is what Jesus is getting at, right? That if what he's looking for is a faith without wax. A faith that is sincere. A faith that is authentic. Not a show. Now, interestingly, Matthew, I Just we, we start with the, with the Beatitudes. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It's the beginning, Jesus' first sermon. His last sermon that he preached is found in Matthew 23. So Matthew, tw- Ma- Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount, that's his first sermon. Matthew 23 is his last sermon. Matthew kind of bookends the ministry of Jesus with these two sermons. The first sermon is about blessing. Blessed are you of this. Blessed are you this, this way. Blessed are you. He, it's, he's, he's talking about happiness and being happy. But the final sermon is the woes, the seven woes. You find it in Matthew 23. And what Jesus is pointing out, what Jesus is is addressing in Matthew 23 is hypocrisy. He's calling the hypocrites. Seven times he says, woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you hypocrites. And then he defines the hypocrite. In Matthew 23, 5, he says, everything they do is for show. Everything they do is for show. I like how the message version puts it. It says their lives are perpetual fashion shows. They're not real. Not pure in heart. And so we find that Jesus begins his ministry with happy are you if you live this sincere life and woe to you if you live a life of falsity or fakeness. Another way we could say it would be this way. Happy are the authentic, but grief comes to the person who isn't real. So what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about these woes, and then just briefly about the woes, and kind of contrast so we can understand what authenticity really means, what we mean by authenticity. Number one, living authentically means no more spotlight. No more spotlight. After the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, Jesus says something. He points out, well, it kind of gives a warning in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 he says this be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them in other words jesus said be careful not to do the right thing cuz you're expected to practice righteousness be careful not to do the right thing for the wrong reason which is to be seen be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, like if you do it for the show, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Be careful not to do the right thing for the wrong reasons, Jesus is telling you. It's like exercise your faith in front of others so that they can applaud you. He says, if you do that, here's, what, here's the deal. If you do that, that is your reward. Your reward is that they came up and said, Hey, good job on being a righteous person. That's your reward. The applause of men, right? But if you step off the stage, you get out of the spotlight, then God sees what you do in closed doors. The life God blesses is who you are when the spotlight isn't on you. It speaks to every one of us in this room. Who are you in that secret place? Who are you? Let me just be honest with us. Who are you when you're at home and no church people are around you? And Who are you? How are you living? How do you speak to your wife or to your husband, to your children? Who are you? So the question for us is, am I living for the show, for the applause of men, or am I living for the audience of one? Am I living for Jesus? I don't know if they still do this practice or not. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably like second grade. Uh, I think it was second grade, maybe it was third grade. It's been so long. <laughs> second grade, third grade, something like that. We were living in a little town called Gamboa, Panama, Pan- Panama Canal Zone area, a place called Gamboa. And um, my teacher, Mrs. Beck, the first day I went into class, she had this chart on the wall. And on this chart you had a list of all the students names it would go from the top to the bottom like this down the down the side and then on the top were all of these things that she expectations like bring your homework you know eat your lunch you know behave in class have a good attitude all those kind of things were listed across the top. And so what she would do is if you brought your homework you you would get a little gold star and next to your name you would put that gold star under homework. Well, the first time I saw that I was like now, that's my kind of teacher. was like, I'm super competitive, right? So I'm thinking, I'm going to fill that thing up with stars. And so I, I, mean, I lived for the goal. I love my mom. My mom didn't have to work hard to get me to go to school. I wanted to go to school so I could get fill up that. You know, I wanted to beat everybody else. I was a second grader, but I'm not too convinced that that trait goes away as we become adults. I think we've been trained early on to do it for the stickers. In fact, there might be some of you here right now, you're in church checking a box and getting your sticker. You're here for the sticker. Others, you know, you do things like feed the hungry or help the needy, and you just make sure you put it on social media so everybody can see how much you're sacrificing. <laughs> This is kind of the world that we live in, right? And Jesus says, if you do it, if that's why you do it, if that's the reason you're doing it, then that is your reward, that you've been seen by others. Social media, man, that's really what it's all about right now. It's this collection of spotlight lives. I've, I've shown you this teacher, T-shirt before. I found it on, on the Internet. But it says, may your life someday be as awesome as you pretend it is on Facebook. <laughs> okay, it's just very quiet in this room. <laughs> And the idea is that we never post the worst part of our lives. We never do that. We always post the things that make us look good. And so living authentically means, first of all, no more spotlight. Number two, living authentically means no more costumes. When you read the woes in Matthew 23, you see that Jesus is critical of the religious leaders because they've made... Their spirituality, they've made all of their emphasis on their outward appearance, like how they were dressing, how they were looking, they were, how they would pray. In, there's even one story that, that we read in the Bible where Jesus talks about this, this religious who stands in the courtyard and says, my God, I thank you that I am not as bad a sinner as that guy over there. That's, that's literally how he prays. And it's all about appearance. It's all about, it's all about the external. But if you read scripture close, you realize, you don't have to read that close, actually, but you realize what God is mostly concerned about is our heart. He's concerned about where you are inside. And yet they made it everything about the external. He challenges these hypocrites. He says this in verse five. He says, everything they do is for men to see. We read that verse. They make their phylacteries wide And their tassels on their garments long. And you're probably listening to this, and you're like, "Well, I really don't know what phylacteries are, so I think I'm safe on this one because I don't, I'm not guilty of this one because I don't even know what a phylactery is, right? Uh, Let me show you what a phylactery is. This little box right here on the top of this guy's forehead. He's a a Jewish uh, rabbi and Holocaust survivor. And the idea is that they would make these little leather boxes and they would put these parchment, scripture parchment, parchment of scripture in these leather, leather boxes and they would have one that would go over their forehead and one that they would wrap, there'd be a leather cord they'd wrap around their arms and there would be another one on their, on their forehand, forearm. And so the, the, the symbolism behind it was just amazing. It was the, this idea that God's word as I'm walking And so my forearm, as I'm walking, God's word goes before me. That's the idea behind that one. And then the one over the head means God's word is informing my thoughts and my way of thinking, my worldview. Now, the idea was amazing. The symbolism behind this is powerful. And that was great. They should do that. They would wear these while they were praying. But then somebody got this great idea to supersize his phylactery. And so he shows up in church one day with an oversized one, a wide one. And so people notice the phylactery and are like, whoa, man, I'm much, I wonder how many scripture verses he got in that one. You know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to make myself a shoebox-sized phylactery. And it became this whole competition thing between them. Right? Instead of the very powerful idea that God's word is guiding me and leading me, it became this competition. Who's more spiritual by the size of their phylactery? Jesus also challenges them about the, you know, the ribbon around the bottom of their robes. They make them longer and bigger so that people can see it. And so he makes it clear that the focus is purity of heart. You may dress a certain way to impress people, but God is not concerned about that. God wants to know what's in your heart. And so if Jesus was speaking to us today, I think this is how he would say a few things. He'd say, woe to you if you equate a person's outward appearance with their eternal standing. Woe to you if you look at a person on the outside and you measure them on the outside and say, oh yeah, they're, they're not a Christian. Oh yeah, they're not serving God. Oh yeah, they're, look at all those tattoos. Look at those piercing oh, yeah, they're not. No way they're serving God. Woe to you if you question a person's faith because they don't share your sense of style. Woe to you if you demean the worship of God by turning it into this religious fashion show. Woe to you if you stand in front of the mirror and you make sure that everything on the outside looks good, but you pay no attention to what's going on on the inside. So we need to be careful never to honor traditions and our cultural ideas at the expense of fulfilling the Great Commission. That's exactly what these people were doing they had made their outward appearance their outward signs something that was that would somehow make them better and it was exclusive if you couldn't dress like this if you can memorize this if you couldn't act this way then then you weren't part of it it was exclusionary lastly living authentically means no more pretending no more pretending. Verse 3 of, of Matthew 23, Jesus is speaking about the hypocrites. He says, they do not practice what they preach. Like they speak a good game. Sounds good. Sounds anointed. Man, they even shout and scream and spit on all that stuff. It's like, they're, man, power of God is all over them. And Jesus is like, yeah, that might sound all good and everything, but they're not practicing what they preach. They're not living it out, right? Now, if there's anybody in this room that's susceptible to pretending, that would probably be me. I mean, I get up here every Sunday to tell you how to live. I'm not trying to do that necessarily, but that's the idea. I don't get up here and tell you all my flaws and my... Shortcomings. I just say, hey, this is what God's word This is how we should live, right? Now, I don't know if there's a, maybe a, a weakness inside of me that would want to pretend. I'm not sure if, if it's this, if this, ex, ex, this idea. I think you have an expectation of me of the, as a lead pastor that I should be a certain way or act a certain way or talk a certain way or dress a certain way. I just want you to know, though, that, yeah, I stand here every Sunday morning, but I'm just a human being. I'm sure you didn't doubt that at all, <laughs> like, but like all of you. I'm a regular person, I, I make mistakes along the way, and I, I wanna be real. So I started thinking, what can, what can I do to share with them that that's true? And I started thinking about some things I might share, and it got scary really fast. <laughs> it's like, nope, I'm not gonna talk about those things. <laughs> not, not to them, not now at least, right? I could talk to you about holes in the sheetrock of my house or on a door in my house where I got so angry with my son that I wanted to punch him in the face, but instead of punching him in the face, I, I was so angry, I punched a hole through a wall. I could tell you that I have probably spent extreme amount of time serving this congregation at the expense of time with my family. And I get that. Sometimes that goes with the territory, but the crappy part about this is that sometimes I did it just so so you can be happy with me. i tell you a lot of things, but this whole journey of authenticity started a long time ago for me. I, I don't have time to get into the whole backstory, but I came out of a ministry in the 80s, of a well-known tele-evangelist who's known all over the world. And um, we flocked to his Bible college, and we were there, and almost worshipped the ground that he was walking on, and only to discover that he wasn't really living what he preached. And um, I remember driving after the failure, and in public failure and all that stuff, I remember driving to the church that I was pastoring in Leesville, and um, talking to my wife and just crying all the way there. So if that happened to him, what hope do I have? Some young Bible school student doesn't even know the Bible very well. <clears throat> and it began this journey for me. This longing, this desire to, to see church be a place of Authenticity. It's hard. I mean, believe me, it's hard because we're just a collection of people that are on on a journey, and we're different places on that journey, and we we have struggles and weaknesses and challenges that we're not ready to share. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on at the same time. But I guess I could pinpoint it to an event that happened to me in the the fall of 1989. I was newly married. I'm newly, I've been married for a couple of years at that point, and um, we had a little boy, Jonathan was our son, and he was about a year old. I was pastoring this, again, this Puerto Rican church in Leesville, Louisiana. I was planted this church. And because it was a church plant, because it was very small, I was making $300 a month. That was my income. And so my wife, God bless her, she, in fact, she's done this throughout my, she has, she has basically supporting my preaching habit by working. She has worked full-time most of her life. And um, so she's a nurse, and so she was working in the hospital, local hospital there as in the ICU. And... Um, our, our, our agreement as a husband and wife and parent was that she would get up early in the morning, go to work. She had to be at work before seven. So she would drop Jonathan off at the, at the nursery, which was at the daycare, which was in our church, drop him off at 6.30 in the morning. And then it was my job at three in the afternoon to pick him up and take him home. That was my job. And so I did this on a regular basis. But this, there was a particular Wednesday that I totally spaced it out. Like I totally forgot. Instead, some pastor friends of mine said, hey, let's go play some racquetball. So we went and played racquetball all afternoon long on a Wednesday. And so I'm playing racquetball. It's about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Get back from this racquetball game. I get to the church. It's Wednesday. and So we had services on Wednesday night. So I'm in the sho- There's a shower at our church building where I was taking a shower, getting ready for service. And while I'm showering, I, it dawned on me, <gasps> you forgot to pick Jonathan up. And it just, a terror just exploded in my head, because not just because of Christy, because I should have been terrified about Christy um, being hurt and disappointed like that, but also Ruth Bailey, who was our daycare director, she was like, she was a, I mean, she was like a commander-in-chief kind of personality, and... If you didn't pick up your child at the right time, she was calling you. She was demanding that you show up. She was going to find you. I mean, this is how she was. So I was certain that I was going to get out of the shower, and there was going to be like a wanted poster with my mugshot on it saying, where's Pastor Rich Green? He's under arrest for for not picking up his child. Well, I, I tried calling Christy after the shower, and she's not answering the phone. I just knew she was infuriated with me. And finally, right before service, she calls me, and it service about to start about 7 p.m. So she calls me around 6.15 or something like that. She says, I'm coming to the church. I've got Jonathan in the car with me. I'm dropping him off. You're going to take him to the nursery. And I'm not going to church. And I'm listening to this. And I'm, and I'm begging her, please don't do that. You know? And I'm begging her not for the right reasons. I'm begging her not to do that because I don't want to look bad that my wife is not wanting to go to church. So she shows up, and literally, like, you know, like you, you, I have the screeching sounds of the tires, you know, pulling into the parking lot. I, she rolls the window down. She says, Get Jonathan. I get Jonathan. And she speeds off, you know. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like embarrassed, you know. So I take Jonathan to the nursery, and then I'm out there in a the parking lot waiting for her to get back, and she's not coming back. And I'm thinking, She's spirit filled. She's certainly, God's going to convict her. She's going to come back around, you know. She'll, she'll do this, you know, but it's not happening. And so, and so this, our service starts, and I could hear the worship. We, 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 we had this Hispanic church I met in the top, like a, there was a, a loft in this, in this church building, in this um, gym, and I could hear the music going on, you know, it was loud and the tambourines and all that happening, you know, and I could hear it going on, and I knew I was supposed to be up there and worship, but I wasn't because I was waiting for my wife to get back to basically kind of make amends briefly so we'd go to church. And she wasn't coming back. She wasn't coming back. Finally, a guy named Carlos, one of our members of the church, he comes down and he says, Pastor, where are you? What are you doing? We've already started church, and you're not there, and you're going to preach soon, and why aren't you there? And I'm like, and I lied to him. I said, um, well, you know, my wife, she's running late, and I gotta wait. I'm got i waiting for her to get here. i got to get something from her. And he's like, he looks at me and goes, what? She, no, she's upstairs in church. And so what happened, she had actually gone to the other side of the building, parked on the other side, and went up to church. But I was out in the other parking lot waiting for her, you know. And so I go up to the church service, you know, and I'm there. And it's my turn to get up to preach. And I pull out my Bible in a normal way, you know. And it's Bible much like this one. I, I pull it out. and I open it out. I got my notes. It was before iPad, so I didn't really have technology. And you know, I got my notes out. And I'm about to start preaching. But I'm feeling this weight on my shoulders, I mean, There's about 45 people or so, 40, 45 people in the service. And I'm feeling this weight. Like I like I have a choice to make. I can choose to pretend. I can choose, I've got my notes, I'm ready. I'll just preach this like you know, like everybody's seen it, you know, it's no big deal, you know, preach a sermon and get done, and invite people up, pray for them, whatever, and then and then go home and try to fix things with Christy where I can be real I'll never forget that day because I just could not preach I tried I started and I just could not get it out and I just closed my Bible and I said guys I, I'm I'm sorry I can't go any further and I looked at my wife who was sitting to the right and I said I gotta I gotta apologize to Christy I've hurt her I took advantage of her and Christy I'm very very sorry and, you know, she's bawling, I'm bawling, and the next thing you know, all the men in our church are bawling as well, and they're looking at their wives, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, everybody it was just turned into this big apology kind of session, you know, and that was great. It was, I mean, the service ended up turning out okay after that. I wouldn't recommend that every Sunday. That's not a good thing to do every Sunday, but that's what happened. And so let me just, uh, to, to be honest with you, I mean, it's, it's not easy sharing my weaknesses in front of you. It isn't. Like, I, I, I want you. I'm going to sound really needy, but please. Like, inside of me wants you to like me. You know? We want that. Every human wants that. And so there's a temptation to try to pretend. But then as I think about this, and I realize that my wife and my son and my grandkids attend this church... And it hits me, no, no, no. I want them to know that this is what church is supposed to be like. This is what church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place of authenticity. A place where we live our lives exposed to God and also exposed to a select few people around us who could pray with us and encourage and build us up. And that we stop living with mass and we stop living for the sticker. I don't want this place to be a place where you just come and every day, every Sunday you come, and you faithfully, maybe even given the offering, that's one sticker, and you, sit and you were here at church in attendance, that's another sticker. Hey, and you smiled at people on your way out, that's another sticker. I don't want that. You don't want that. What you want is to come into this place real and authentic and expose your heart to God and let the Holy Spirit begin to do a work in your heart that transforms you and changes you. And then you share with people around you that, that, are, that, that you're doing life with so they can know this is the journey that you're on. It's there that you find freedom. Jesus says, it, blessed are you. Blessed are those who have a pure heart because they will see God. You're blessed if you're authentic and sincere because then you are in the presence of God. I'm going to ask to stand. I'm going to pray. <clears throat> and... Um, And here's a challenge I'm just going to place before you. We're, we're talking about our values, and one of our values is authenticity. And the idea here is not just to say this is what Life Church believes. Really, the idea here is this is what we as a community want to see this community, these people, us living out, fleshing out. So maybe you walked in here this morning and you put on that mask. Life is upside down. Things are not going well. You're struggling. Yeah, you're married, but you don't like him. You don't want to be around him. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you know, all the, all the stuff, all the relational things that could possibly be going on in your life. And so it's just easy to put on a mask and be here. Just as easy to walk into this place and having lived a completely different life during the week sin, lying, breaking God's heart and covenant, and then walk in here and act like everything is fine. So my challenge to you is, let's stop living inauthentically. Let's take the mask off. Let's expose ourselves to the Holy Spirit, and to what he wants to do in your life and your heart. That's what he wants. He wants to transform you. And it stops, it starts when we stop pretending. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to, we have prayer teams here in left and right. If you're here and you like prayer, I would encourage you to step out. They'd love to pray with you. We're going to spend a moment here in worship, and while we're worshiping, you have an opportunity to step out for prayer, okay? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't come with pretense, you didn't come to establish some kind of religious system you came to give us life and life to the full every one of us in this room father we're hungry for that kind of life that soul satisfying life that only you can give lord we know that it starts with us stop stopping the pretense taking off the mask and living truthfully with you and with others As the Holy Spirit, will you convict our hearts? Will you draw us to you, Jesus? Today, today, Lord, we surrender our entire being, our entire life to you. In Jesus' name.